0: our ears to hear your word and our hearts to receive them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So have you ever been in a situation where you've had to call for help? You might have been lost or separated from someone and had to call them so you could be reunited. Or it may have been something more serious, a situation where you've had to call the emergency services. Whether you had made that context by text or phone or even social media, you may have experienced a time of waiting for help to arrive. Time flies when we're busy, doesn't it? But it passes with agonising slowness when we're waiting in those circumstances, in those slow, slow minutes. It's not unusual for doubts to arise. Was our message picked up? Has it been relayed to the right person or the right department? Has there been a delay? Can we trust that help is on its way. And meanwhile, our unresolved situation may actually be getting worse. It's sometimes said that a week is a long time in politics, but even four days can seem like eternity for anyone grieving a loved one. And our Gospel passage today recounts Jesus raising Uh, of his dead friend Lazarus. But the actual miracle occupies only a few verses. Disappointment, distress and disorientation form much of the fabric of Mary and Martha's experience before the event that changes everything. Indeed, Jesus doesn't even arrive at the scene until after Lazarus has died, despite having been told of his illness days before. By this stage, the situation is apparently beyond remedy. Lazarus has died and the human hope has evaporated. But this emptiness is not an ending. It's a preparation for the planting of heavenly hope in the person of Jesus. For here, Jesus reveals himself more clearly to his friends and the wider gathered grieving community. As Jesus talks with Martha, he reveals that he's so much more than the ordinary human being he may appear. He's far above humanity. He is the resurrection. And as he weeps with Mary, Jesus shows that he is not only God above and separate from creation, but intimately present within and throughout the world, and with deep compassion for all within it. And when the two sisters lead him to the tomb, he reveals his mission as one who opens a window into God's glory. This is the God who acts beyond the radar of human possibility to bring life and freedom to the dead and decaying. By his father's power, Jesus bids Lazarus walk out of the tomb and be cut free from the gravecloths that bind him through witnessing this most public of miracles, many came to believe in Jesus. And John, in his gospel, presents this as a turning point in Jesus' ministry. The faith it engenders in some, conversely, provokes hostility in others. From this time on, the religious establishment seeks more actively to have Jesus put to death. Their attempts to crush all hope in Jesus as the Messiah will, of course, backfire spectacularly, merely paving the way for Jesus' own resurrection as victorious redeemer for those who seek him. The raising of Lazarus is part of a far bigger picture than restoring a dead man to his grieving sisters, important though that is. Their story is enfolded into God's plans. Jesus was never unmindful of their suffering. Even when they couldn't see him, he was at work for his father's glory and their good. Perhaps, like Martha and Mary, we experience situations where we struggle to hold on to hope. We pray and wait, pray and wait again and again, yet Jesus never seems to arrive. In fact, sometimes our situation goes from bad to worse during the wait. A possible avenue of hope turns out to be a no through road. And in our human hopelessness and despair, we can see no way forward. But God doesn't specialize in human solutions. He specializes exclusively in resurrection hope. When all our ideas about what God could do To make things better are exhausted. All we can do is draw close to Christ himself. He's been with us all along as the resurrection and the life and also as the one who weeps with us when we've reached the end of the line. The one who would walk the way to the the cross giving his life for us. He knows what it costs and the courage it takes to put total trust in the Father's hands. So as we stop trying to resuscitate dying dreams and look to him for the next step, Jesus opens up a way ahead that brings us a future and hope. It may be very different from what we could ever have imagined, but that is the nature of resurrection. We do not see what can be until we've buried and mourned what might have been. When human hope is exhausted and we rely fully on Christ and his resurrection power, we will not be disappointed. Last Monday was the equinox and according to the uh, Merriam-Webster dictionary, The word equinox comes from the Latin word aquae, meaning equal, and nox, meaning night. So, together, equinox means equal night, which is precisely what the spring equinox is. In all areas throughout the world, both the length of daytime and nighttime are exactly equal. Spring has arrived. On Monday morning, I learned a bit more about the um, equinox when I was listening to an interview on Radio Gloucestershire with uh, Catherine Keir, who's something of a local expert on folklore. And it seems that historically, the spring equinox has represented more than just the first day of spring or when the flowers begin to bloom. It's become a symbol for rebirth, fertility and new beginnings. We sometimes get a bit panicky about folklore, associating it with all sorts of pagan rituals that we Christians shouldn't be dabbling in. But sometimes we're quick to make assumptions and in doing so we miss opportunities to see God at work. What better time than spring to see God's wonderful creation doing the most amazing things? Those plants that we were sure had died when the temperatures went below zero are suddenly peeping out of the soil, full of new life that will grow and develop into something beautiful and bring pleasure into the lives of those who see it. Spring is also a time when we think about spring cleaning and decluttering our homes. But something else I learnt this week is that it is also seen as a time for spring cleaning and decluttering our minds. As we continue through Lent, I pray that we might all take the opportunity to do that very thing let's all do a bit of weeding of our minds to free ourselves of the things we cannot change. Perhaps try saying this serenity prayer to help you. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. And as you do so, make room for new shoots of hope, grace and love to push through into your minds so that we, like the plants in the garden, become a people who are beautiful, right from the inside out. People who bring hope and love and pleasure to others. People who will be seen for what we are, followers of Jesus Christ, whose hope is that the beauty of life that we enjoy through our faith in him may become theirs too. So wherever God plants us this springtime, may we bloom with his grace. Amen.